All right. Let's talk now about the environmental group that has bought up millions of dollars worth of professional guide tenures for commercial hunting on the B.C. coast. Now, why would that group do that? It is to prevent hunting. So the idea is buy up the licenses, buy up the commercial tenures, so no one can use them for hunting. I've got Brian Falconer standing by. He is with the Raincoast Conservation Foundation. Have a listen to one of the group's videos. This is on YouTube. Have a listen to this. I'm Brian Falconer. I am the Guide Outfitter Coordinator for Raincoast Conservation Foundation. What that means is I lead the program to acquire all of the commercial hunting rights within the Great Bear Rainforest. These tenures confer exclusive guiding rights for trophy hunting in very large areas of the coast. And starting in 2005, recognizing that governments weren't too interested in limiting this practice, we decided to take things in our own hands and, and buy out the businesses that operated these trophy hunting tenures. Okay, let's discuss now with my guest, Brian Falconer. You just heard his voice there, Guide Outfitter Coordinator, Raincoast Conservation Foundation. Brian, thank you for coming on today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Good morning to you. Okay, Brian, this is a a fascinating uh, tactic here that you've used. This has been going on for a while, right? You've been buying up these commercial hunting tenures for a long time, correct? About 18 years. It's been a big part of my life. Yeah, yeah. Now tell me how this works because it, it's it looks to me like it's like a is it, is this a loophole that you're using? You buy up these commercial hunting licenses and then and then basically don't use them, right? Is that is that how it works? No, it's it's not really a loophole. I mean, it's just simply uh the way the tenures were set up in the mid 1900s and uh and and you know, we've just basically bought out these businesses and you know, we we operate them in a very different way than the people who owned the tenures before that, the people that we purchased them from. And so, you know, we've limited the hunting. Uh, what this, what these tenures do is, uh, BC is a very, very different jurisdiction than almost anywhere else in North America, is that, you know, they, they gave these tenures out in the mid-1900s. And if you want to go hunting and you're not a BC resident, you have to go, you're required to go with a guide. And right. so that was to, you know, like the forest tenures, it was to assure that BC jobs uh, were created and that um, the the uh, wildlife wasn't being killed. All our precious wildlife wasn't being killed by a lot of foreigners. And so that was the, the, the structure of it. And, and basically, we've just, you know, come in with a different approach to managing those territories and uh, you know, with a different end goal. Right, and why are you doing that? It's, it's to prevent the hide, hunting of uh, bears and other species? Well, carnivores are, are particularly the ones that are heaviest hit by, by the commercial guided hunt. Um, you know, people who come um, to hunt from around the world are, are typically what we refer to as trophy hunters. They're, they're interested in, in collecting the heads, the hides, the paws of and, and particularly of carnivores, there that's the the prime species. There are certainly, you know, mountain goats and other ungulates that that um, we have the right to hunt as well. Uh, but those are their target species for the most part. Okay, when it comes to like, I've heard a lot of criticism, obviously, from other from pro hunting groups. And I'm going to speak to one of them next year after I speak to you, Brian. And one of the things that they get angry about is this use of the term. Uh, trophy hunting because they say let's let's take for example black bears you can legally hunt black bears in in bc 
And under the BC hunting regulations, it says you have to remove the meat of that, that bear. If you take out a bear, it's a, I'm looking at it now, all edible portions of a black bear must be removed, properly cared for, and removed to a place of consumption. So how right. is that a trophy hunt if you have to take the meat out? Well, uh, the people who come in and go with guides are allowed to consign those parts to the guide, um, and so they don't have to take them home with them. And uh, and and that's really not the objective of the hunt. They, most people don't go out to fill their freezers full of wolves or freeze, fill their freezer full of black bear. Um, typically, those are the pieces. And particularly when grizzly bears were huntable in British Columbia before 2017, um, that was a very, very big part of the guide outfitters' um, you know, uh, revenue stream. Right. And as far as like hunting grizzly bears, like an- another criticism I've heard of your campaign is when I take a look at some of the, the information online from the Raincoast Conservation Foundation, it often will show uh, pictures of um, grizzly bears, like the, the video we just heard of you, there are pictures of grizzly bears in the video. There are pictures of spirit bears, uh, which is a, a, a white-colored black bear, effectively. And these are protected species, right? You cannot hunt grizzly bears. You cannot hunt a kermode or a spirit bear. So why, why do you include that in your camp, those animals in your campaign? You can't hunt them anyway. We began this campaign in 2005 um, when there were over 300 grizzlies a year killed in British Columbia in the legal hunt. Um, that only was uh, was eliminated in 2017. Uh, we had some debate. We've purchased a couple of territories uh, 10 years since then. And, you know, the debate included all kinds of things. It, number one, um, you know, does this support a new economy? Um, when you eliminate the guided hunt, the foreign hunt from these places, in a lot of cases, that's the only hunt that exists because they're very remote places. And, so, you know, with the encouragement of the First Nations that we work very, very closely with, uh, we continued buying those those tenures. Um, if that grizzly hunt was ever to be uh, returned, uh, as it was in 2001 with the government change, um, you know, we would then be allocated a grizzly bear quota, and those grizzly bears would be safe. Yeah, but there's no grizzly bear quota now, I guess, is my is my point. So, I mean, in the, in the advertising campaigns that your group is doing, you prominently feature pictures of grizzly bears and spirit bears that you cannot you cannot legally hunt right now. So I just wonder if you think that's been described to me as misleading by some of your critics, or how do you respond to that? Uh, I respond that, that you can hunt. Uh, the, the gene for spirit bears doesn't always express in a white coat. And so, you know, can kill black-coated spirit bears or you have been able to that in just a year before about a year and a half ago, there was a, a new large protected area centered around uh, the central coast and the Kittisuhehe nation, uh, which now prevents even residents from hunting black bears because many of them carry the mm-hmm. spirit bear gene. And we also say very clearly that we continued to buy these territories or these tenures after the grizzly bear hunt ban, and yeah. we'll continue to buy them even after the ban on the spirit bear hunt because there are 60 other species that we're legally allowed to hunt and to guide people to hunt. So sure. basically, we've eliminated that portion, and it doesn't impact resident hunters, and it doesn't impact First Nations. It impacts the people who come from around the world um, to kill our wildlife. 
Yeah, I think it's important to emphasize that. So like a resident BC hunter, someone who actually lives here and has a hunting license, they can still go, like local residents, people who live in British Columbia, can still go to these territories and hunt a bear, for example. Is that correct? That is correct. And, okay. and we've got, we've never been anti-hunting. Um, mm. And, you know, that the, it's, it's, it's interesting. We get support from local resident hunters because of that. Um, you know, this essentially trophy hunting because you know you can debate the, the the finer details of that but the vast majority of these people who are coming from around the world are taking yeah. home the trophy parts and so by eliminating that um that hasn't hurt any of the resident hunters and it certainly we get tremendous support from the first nations in these areas and one of the things that first nations have done in a lot of these extremely remote communities is they've invested very heavily in bear viewing and a lot of that is around grizzly bears, and a lot of it certainly is around spirit bears. So it's fundamentally changed the economics of uh, and, and presented fantastic economic opportunities in some of these really remote communities. And the government can't you, can't you have both? Can't you have both though? Can't you have like uh, bear hunting no. and and bear viewing? Why not? No, no, because the the, the behavior changes really radically. Um, you know, when, when animals are hunted and, and I can speak to this for 22 years of, of taking people to see bears in, in close proximity is that there were places where the bears were very heavily hunted, grizzly bears in particular, and we would go in and you knew there was tons of bears there, but we never would see them within two yeah. years of buying out the tenures, we could see 17, 18 grizzly bears feeding along the, 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 the river. And those bears became comfortable with people. And that's what allowed people like Spirit Bear Lodge and Clem 2 and others to build businesses around bears that are comfortable with people. And if you take, okay. you know, two weeks later after the end of the season, go in and shoot those bears, um, it, that makes absolutely no sense. Brian, last question for you. Uh, how is this not a loophole? Because, uh, you know, if the government creates these tenures for hunting, for commercial guided hunts, and you buy them up with the publicly expressed intention basically to not allow commercial hunting, how is that not not a loophole? Uh, one of your critics was, referred me to the Wildlife Act that it says that the, uh, the regional manager has the right to suspend, cancel, or refuse to renew a guiding certificate, certificate if it is not used. Has that ever happened to you over all these years? Has the government ever canceled one of these tenures? No, because we do hunt them. We do use them. And uh, we've taken clients since 2005 out into these uh, tenures, and we've operated commercial hunts. So you actually do hunt these? Hang on a second. You do, you do hunting, though? We do. We're not very successful. Uh, we, we have a very, very specific and a very fussy clientele. But we do... We do absolutely comply with the wildlife act okay so but you're saying that they're they're so you do do some hunting using these 10 years but you're saying that you're you're taking you're not taking as many animals as, as would otherwise be killed if if they not if a, go ahead not in, not anywhere close because we've we've worked very hard with coastal first nations in a lot of these areas uh, you know, we're a science-based organization. We've done a lot of research uh, with their stewardship departments, and it, it fits within their values, our management of these territories. Okay, well, how many, how many bears have you guys killed here over the last few years then? You're, if you're saying you're actually using these hunting tenures, how many, have, how, how many bears have actually been hunted, killed? 
uh, we haven't killed any bears. Okay, but you said you do do hunting, though. What what animals do you hunt? Uh, we've we've hunted a couple of ungulates over the years, but we also, you know, we do bear hunts. We we buy tags and we go out. As I say, we have a very specific clientele that is very very fussy, and they're looking for Boone and Crockett world records, and we haven't been able to provide that, so they decide to shoot them with cameras instead. Okay, okay. That sounds to me like it's a bit of a you know you're just trying to satisfy the law here uh, under okay, the under the are. tenure. You do okay. Okay, yeah. that's very interesting, Brian. Thank you for coming on to talk about it today. Okay, you bet, Mike. Okay, thank you, thank you, Brian Falconer, Raincoast Conservation Foundation. This is the group that's buying up commercial hunting licenses on the coast, and he says. He says they use them to go hunting, but it sounds like they don't, they don't actually hunt, actually bag any animals. doesn't sound like that, or not many. I don't know. It sounds like a loophole to me. All right, let's take a break. Come back. On the other side, we've got the other side of this story. Jesse Zeman, BC Wildlife Federation. He's next. So you heard my conversation there with Brian Falconer. He is with the Raincoast Conservation Foundation. This is the group that buys up commercial hunting rights on the coast. And he says it has drastically reduced the number of animals being taken there. Let's discuss with Jesse Zeman now, Executive Director, BC Wildlife Federation. They do a great job, in my opinion, representing uh, resident hunters in BC. Jesse, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Mike. Morning. Good morning to you. Jesse, what do you think of this? Uh, You know, I generally, I just caught the tail end of it. Uh, I did a bit of press around it and how this uh, this acquisition is saving hundreds of animals' lives and that sort of thing. I mean, the BC Wildlife Federation is is a conservation organization, the largest conservation organization in BC. And really, what we concern ourselves with is conservation outcomes. Uh, I did go through the harvest data for the area that was acquired, and it looks to me like there haven't actually been any uh, animals harvested in the last five years by non-residents. So I think we're kind of talking about theater here and looking for donations. Uh, I'm not sure how the math works when there haven't been any animals harvested. And, you know, the, uh, the raincoast is talking about saving hundreds of animals' lives. It's, you know, not consistent with reality, I guess. So, so you're saying there's not a lot of hunting going on there anyway? No, it doesn't look like it. Uh, okay. As far as I can tell, the harvest statistics for that area show that, that no animals have been harvested by non-residents uh, in the last five years. Uh, and so that's a very different story than what's being told publicly uh, as it relates to the sale. So I think, you know, when we talk about spending millions of dollars on wildlife, the question is, do you want to conserve habitat and take care of wildlife? Or do you want to spend it on looking for donations to buy out commercial hunting opportunities? And those are two very different conversations. Right. One of the things that he said to me I thought was very interesting is that these hunting tenures that this group buys up, these are commercial hunting tenures for guide outfitters that are typically for non-resident hunters. So, you know, quite often be like Americans who would come here, American hunters who come here, spend a lot of money to go hunting in B.C. You could still, so resident hunters would still be allowed to hunt in these areas. And he said that, so that's actually a good thing for resident hunters in British Columbia, and he said they get a lot of support from resident hunters for what they're doing. Do you think that's true? Yeah, well, there'll be no, as it relates to this purchase, there's no impact on British Columbians, and as it relates to, you know, kind of the south end of that area, uh, 
resident hunters, BC Wildlife Federation, the province and First Nations have worked pretty intensively along with the Habitat Conservation Trust Foundation to restore Roosevelt Elk, of course on Vancouver Island, but also on the Central Coast. And so the hunting opportunities that would have gone with that tenure, um, because I don't expect Raincoast to actually use it, those will revert back to British Columbia. And so British Columbians will probably see increased hunting opportunities um, and wildlife available. Same with um, First Nations in the area, of course, as a result of all these conservation efforts around Roosevelt Elk. So yeah, not a huge impact on uh, British Columbians as it relates to resident hunters. Okay, it's an interesting issue for sure. Jesse, thanks for coming on with your thoughts on it today. Thanks, Mike. Have a good day. 911.